0: Welcome to Unashamed Unafraid, a show unashamed about
1: sexual addiction recovery and unafraid of coming into Christ for healing. Where we talk about real recovery stories, answer anonymous questions with experts, and share resources that actually work. I'm your host, Steve. And I'm your co-host, Jason. And we are Unashamed Unafraid.
0: Jason, he's been on good behavior, so we're letting him on the other side of the mic.
1: (laughs) I'm back, y'all. Love you. Yeah, love you. I'm excited to be here. Freaking love Troy. Yeah. Authentic. hmm Done. hmm I, I mean, that's the whole, the whole thing here is this journey from I can't be seen to I'm going to be authentic and be who I want to be. So um, he said some things I'm going to
0: steal permanently. Like sometimes the way people talk about recovery, you're just like, and that's it. And I'm like, and that's how we're all going to talk about it now, what you just said. And he definitely had some of those. I'm not going to steal his thunder and talk about it. But one reason why you should listen to this episode, Jason.
1: Uh, Well, I mean, the bonus content, just that idea of authenticity, that was game changing.
0: Yeah. And what I want to share, one of the reasons Troy reached out is Troy is divorced, got mm-hmm. divorced in his process and is still divorced. Um, and he's like, dude, we got to talk from this space. And I'm like, that's unashamed, a shame, brother. Let's do it. Um, and so just a lot of authenticity, really tender. And one thing I loved about Troy that I'll name at the front of this episode is is how he talked about his ex-wife. It wasn't everything's her fault. And he, also, and he also wasn't like, oh, she's perfect and I'm the problem because there's that's kind of a facade too he talks about those those both of those great episode jump in with, with us um, give us uh, five stars on iTunes um, that's where you can find us uh, to help share the hope of what we're sharing here with everyone we'd love to hear from you on social media at Unashamed Unafraid go to our website unashamedunafraid.com slash scholarship slash donations scholarships if you need help uh, recovery tools therapy retreats all sorts of things we will pay for you to go we are a non-profit 501c3 so So all of the money, Jason doesn't get paid to edit audio. We just lock him in a basement, chain him to the desk and make him do it. And so um, all of the money goes to scholarships. And if you want to help support those uh, people in recovery
1: and resources that you enjoy and love, we invite you to uh, donate there at the website as well. We're we're actually also hurting for uh, anonymous questions. So if you have any, please go to the website. Give us some anonymous questions. Ask us your questions. We want to answer them for you. Yep, And you can do it
0: anonymously. So you don't have to worry about any of that. So with that, we, we will head on down to texas and old el paso old el paso and get in the studio with troy troy what's up how's it going so here's the thing with this guy troy okay first off i'm gonna tell you two things about troy one um the patience so we've had to reschedule this i think twice troy
2: Twice already, yeah.
0: Um, and not to Troy's doing.
2: I was to, beginning to feel insecure.
0: Yeah, it was on us. So um, we owe Troy some repair on that. Um, so whatever you need on that, let Jason know. Um, Jason will take care of it. And we're happy this episode to have Jason on the side of the mic. Yeah. So, um, he has got a little facial hair. He's matured a little since last
1: time. So we're got some gray in my beard now. So
0: we're ready for that. Um, and so the other thing I want to bring up right here at the front. So Troy, uh, nonchalantly, um, just kind of drops on us. Oh, and by the way, I'm getting re-baptized this Saturday.
2: I am getting re-baptized this Saturday. And yeah, I mean, we, we can definitely go into that more <laughs> planning on it and, and about my feelings concerning that. Cause It might not be what everyone expects, but, um, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely been an interesting journey.
0: Yeah. And I, and I think that's, um, uh, what I love just the emails. We've had some emails back and forth and I know you met some of the team at Wild at Heart. I'm mad that I wasn't there that weekend and didn't get to meet you, um, in person, but, um, it's been a journey and and I think that, um, you know, you and I have, uh, even just talking just before this, that we're kind of kindred spirits that I think there's key moments in our story where I don't know that many people would have bet on us as, at certain injunctures. Um, and so it's been a journey, right? Being rebaptized, being where you are. And so tell us, right, give us kind of the classic, you know, what, what happened when you were a kid around sex, around God, like how did that all come together for you in
2: adolescence? Okay, um, so I yeah I grew up in a very Mormon town in a very Mormon family. Um, I was the fourth of five kids. Um, a couple, um, at, I have a hard time saying that it was sexual abuse or or anything like that when I was a kid. It was it was more like kind of an experimentation that goes on between kids. I was never one that instigated it, but fell into these situations on a, on a couple of occasions, and I think from those there's really just two incidents. And, and from both of those um, I came away feeling one, I always had to keep this a secret. Like this was going to be a secret till the day I die. Right. And, um, and it was for over 30 years, I, I did not tell a soul. And, and then number two, that I would never be worthy, like never. And so that that was a pretty heavy load for a young child to, to, to go. And, and um, you know, we often talk about how, our relationship with our, with our father often affects how we feel about God too. Right. And so I remember one time I was in with a therapist and they were asking me, Hey, what's your relationship like with your father? And um, the words just came out of my mouth before I even had a chance to say anything. It was, it was just like, I am my father's least favorite son.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And I was like, I'm not sure where that came from, but that is exactly how I feel and i'm sure my dad would totally deny that i'm sure he wouldn't agree with it at all but that's how i felt growing up um so so kind of those two things i i i definitely related to when you guys have talked about the try harder gospel cuz it it felt like to me in god's view that he was just saying you know if troy makes it that's great we're really not expecting that much from him though you know And so it was like, it was like up to me to kind of prove that, Hey, Hey, I'm worth something here. I'm worth saving here and always having to try to feel like I need to prove that. Um, of course, you know, even young, I think like nine or 10 was when I was first exposed to like masturbation. Um, and, and so that, that started in quickly, um, as well as pornography whenever I could find it continuing up, you know, through my teenage years, um, eventually went on a mission and then, um,
0: so did you feel, did you feel worthy to go on a mission or were you like, I'm just not going to tell anyone we're good to go. What, what kind of happened there?
2: I did. I, I felt like I, I got to a place where I was like, I'm good. And I did talk to priesthood leaders about that and said, okay. And you know, I, I was probably kind of underselling it and saying, Oh yeah, a little problem here.
1: Um, Maybe like three, six months of sobriety, something like that or.
2: Right. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, and then, yeah, I got out there to the, to the mission field um, and then when I came home, it kind of just started up, started up again. Right.
1: Yeah. So it wasn't a problem on your mission?
2: No, I mean, there was probably a couple incidents, incidences, but overall, like overall, I felt like I did a pretty good job of, of keeping it under control, but it was nothing that I was going to tell anybody about either, um, when I was out there.
0: Yeah. How did your, how, did your script change at all about that worthiness and, you know, you know, being the least favorite son, did any of that change on your mission? What, how did it shift coming back?
2: You know, I, I don't think it did. I, I remember, I remember talking to another missionary one time, cause I mean, I was one of those missionaries that was like annoyingly obedient, you know, just, mm-hmm. just everything like to the letter, you know, they
1: would have loved me. I, th- I think we're all in that same boat. No, you're, you're no, I'm here. Sh- no,
0: I'm shaking my head. No, everyone can't <laughs> yeah. see, but I was that guy that was like, audio medium,
1: Steve. That was like
0: what, like you know, whatever. Letter of the law. I had a good heart though, but yeah.
1: Anyway, yeah, I was more on Troy's Troy's level. So Troy.
2: Yes. So you're coming back. So I'm coming back. Um, you know, about I guess I'd, I'd only been home for about a year or so when I when I had met my wife. Um, and this was, this was a big thing as far as pornography and masturbation, this is a big thing to her because that was something that had affected her family. Um, her parents were divorced. Um, mm-hmm. and this, this was a large component of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she asked me about that and I kind of, you know, again, kind of minimized it. You know, I was, I was in the process of trying, you know, but I was like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. And, you know, for the most part I was, but, but there definitely was, uh, quite a few slip-ups as well. Sure. So, um, we get married, um, and it is much different than I expected. <laughs> and I, I think I, I, I tried to be very careful not to ever speak ill of my ex-wife, but it was something that, um, I think she would agree on. Um, we were, we were both very young, her, especially. And I was, I was miserable for the first few years. I was just, just mm-hmm. miserable. And, um, it wasn't it wasn't really a, a place where I felt ever safe to to share anything, to share any um, of my weaknesses, to share really any of my feelings at all. So I just kinda clammed up and you know, of course that that helps when you're
0: And I'm sure if she was here, she would say the same thing about
2: those early years. Yeah. Yeah, she absolutely would. Yeah. Um
0: so I guess tell me looking back now, tell me about that. Like do you think that was just like your shame? Do you feel like you guys were following cultural scripts when you got married? Like what about that wasn't working? Just like you didn't know what you were getting into. Like we just didn't have the right expectations or.
2: Yeah, I think it was a lot about not having the right expectations. I mean, I came from a family where my parents never fought at all. You know, I I think I witnessed one fight in my entire time growing up. And so, Um, she was pretty argumentative, especially when we first got married and that was, that was just such a surprise to me and such a shock. And, um, and, you know, in the times when I did share things with her, um, you know, where I thought it it was, I was being open and sharing things like it would come back and and it wasn't that like, she would, she would be very upset about it for, for whatever reason. Um, and again, this was early years. She obviously grew and matured a lot after that, but. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so
0: that was her miss in the early years. What was yours?
2: So I, I I mean, I, I, I was definitely at that point, I was just kind of checked out because I was like, here is the relationship that is supposed to bring me most happiness. And I'm, I'm miserable. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to have anything to do with this. So I, I felt, I felt pretty hard back into Um, things like pornography, masturbation, and then it progressed to things that I had never done, like going to a strip club, going to a massage parlor, things like that, that, that I had never done before. Um, But yeah, that's, that's, that's what I felt like I needed to do. Right.
0: Yeah. So tell me, you, I think you're just, I think you're sharing something, I mean, unique, right. Special, like what when you're like, I was checked out, because I feel like I understand you. I'm like, I get it. But like, what does checked out looked like? Like if you were able to see, if we were watching you back then, how, how would you describe, you know, internally your experience, what you feel people saw, got from you on the outside?
2: Oh, I, I I don't think anyone could tell from the outside. I was very, very good at at, um, compartmentalizing everything. You know, um, I, I, I've described it a few times as if it felt like, you know, my, my whole life was like this, this field, right. And then in the middle was like this swampy cave. Um, And like on the outside, it's like this productive field where I'm a father and I'm a husband and I'm a priesthood holder and I'm a, you know, and, and I have a good career and all these things. And then inside, it's just this, this yuckiness. Right. And I described it one time to a therapist and I said, you know, that middle part that just terrifies me. And she says, well, why does that terrify you? And I said, well, I think that's the real me. Like I think everything else is just a facade and a fake. And that's the real me inside. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know that anyone could I mean I'm sure my wife could definitely tell at times, but I don't know that anyone else could really tell because yeah, I, I was good at putting on that facade.
1: So sometimes would you say that you had this like this facade of you know, my, my church service, my, my, um, activity in the church, my priesthood, all of that kind of stuff. And then on the other side of, of it, you said you had like the shame and the the addiction and everything, both of them, would you say were a pressure and were a shame?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I would definitely say that both of them were a shame. I mean, but on, on the other hand, you know, as kind of doing that try harder gospel, like it was something, you know, if I, if I keep up that facade, you know, there's that thought in my mind, well, maybe if I do enough here, you know, at the end of the day, when, when the the weights are balanced, then then it will come out in my favor.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I guess one I would ask is like, what, what was that experience like for you? Because I think people looking from the outside, Um, you know, spouses who haven't got closure in their situation or family members or leaders, you know, people who just like don't get it. I think sometimes there's this belief like that addicts are having their cake and eating it too. And the only reason we want to change is because we got caught, Um, which isn't true to my story. Um, I know it's true to a lot of stories. And, And I guess I bring this up because I'm like at least from my experience, I'll let you speak about yours. But for me, I'm like, Oh, it wasn't fun. Like I wasn't like, Oh man, I love the fact that I'm getting away with all of this and no one knows like, this is great. So like being in that duality, what was that like for you?
2: Right. And so I, I remember talking about this one time, again, in therapy, but, but saying, you know, th- there's the thought that, Oh, you know, you go to these different areas and, and the sex must be just great it really wasn't like, it was really actually pretty bad. Um, but it was like, you know, that, that dark spot in the middle, like I felt like I needed to hide it, but I needed to feed it too. And so it was just like a, a, a constant thing. And so, yeah, it was, it, I, I'd say more than anything, it was just kind of exhausting. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, especially cause I, that kind of bled over and I, I eventually had a, an affair that lasted for, for about a year, um, and which that, that was beyond exhausting. That was, that was, you know, until when I hear about other people expressing multiple affairs, I think, I don't even know how someone <laughs> accomplishes that because that, that right. sounds just exhausting. Um, but eventually, eventually was caught with that. And so that was actually the, the first time of that I was excommunicated. So, um, went through that and, um.
0: And so what would you write, what your wife's reaction at that point? So she knows you're off, right? As you said, there were times that you, she could tell, right? Like that the facade wasn't f- fooling her completely and, you know, maybe couldn't put her finger on all of it, but that piece was there. So the aff- you get caught in the affair, church discipline happens. Where is she at at this point?
2: And so, um, you know, like at first didn't want to talk to me, didn't want to have anything to do with me. Um, at the time, our kids, we, we, already had all three kids, but they were, they were very young. So they didn't know a lot about what was going on. Um, due to my job, we were, we were separated anyways. And so she had been staying with, with her mom. Um, and then both, both her mom and my mom had had kind of discussed with her because I think they both had seen her actions in marriage and said, Hey, you know, we know that this is Troy's fault, but you know, there, there were some things that you, you had done here, you know, you need to change that. And that was honestly, like, I saw a miracle there. She, she changed completely. Like she was a completely different person. Wow. Um, and uh, it was, it was something, it was something that was amazing to see, but also like, I kind of felt like I don't even know how to describe it. Like, because here I am trying to work, but I, I'm just, I'm not, feeling it like i'm working towards baptism i'm working towards all those other things i know a lot of it's because of my family and things like that
0: right and she's changing a lot so it's 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 all supposed to be going in the right direction
2: right yeah and and i just i I don't feel it like i just i feel like i feel like i have to keep myself in a constant state of shame you know like Mm -hmm. because i you know there's that feeling like well maybe it was just because i got too prideful or something like that and so it's like always trying to just you know convince myself of, a this false sense of humility of, of just trying to be like, no, you're bad. Remember that you gotta, you gotta stay down. You gotta keep your head down and, and keep pushing and, and things like that. You don't, you don't get to feel happy. Right. Right. Yeah. You don't deserve to feel happy at all.
0: Well, we just did an episode with, uh, Doug Nielsen. Um, and, uh, Doug, you hear me saying your last name, right? If you're listening and, um, I say his name wrong all the time, but, um, about how we end up in this permanent one down position. And i the reason I'm just like, ooh, pause, like I think you just said that so well, Troy, that even when everything starts to go right, there still is this shame of like, you don't deserve that. And I think your situation is a great example of that because like your wife was changing. Like a lot a lot of a lot of times for a lot of people, right, the spouse is like, I'm I'm not the problem. I'm not the one out having affairs or whatever. And it's like later in the process when there's been a lot of safety and a lot of repair that then the partner feels safe enough to be able to move or to do something, which I fault no partner for. And um, so to have her jump in to her emotional healing so quickly and to have it all going like, Man, it couldn't go better for you. But still there's this truth about the shame that it's like you, you don't deserve that. Even even when
1: even when your ticket's being punched, it's like you you're not allowed in this movie. And you're holding the ticket in your hand. That's something that keeps a lot of addicts in their addiction is they feel like, you know, everything's moving forward and I should be happy, but I don't deserve to be happy. And and moments of happiness and moments of of this one up become triggering because then it's like, well, but I don't deserve this, so I have to keep myself down. And I think that's kind of what you were if I heard you understand it, understood you correctly, that's kind of where you were at.
2: Yeah. And, and I think it leads back into that facade too. Right. Because, because like that happiness only has to do with that facade. Like still, if anyone knew what was really inside, yeah, you know, they'd know that I'm just garbage. Right. right. So yeah. I,
1: I do have a quick question for you. you. You mentioned before this exhausting feeling, this exhaustion that you were experiencing, what was your, re- your reaction when you were caught did you feel relieved? Did you feel, uh, wh- what was that like for you? Maybe, you know, looking back on it now?
2: Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't say relieved. Um, I, I can see how someone, someone might feel relieved from that. I wouldn't say that I did because I think I, I was trying everything to try to cover it up for a while, you know? So immediately I didn't feel relieved. I was trying. Well, to-
0: and and I'm just going to tell me if this is, it sounds like you carried your facade into recovery.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Which is, I, I say that because it's so common. That's how I started recovery. Hero child earning my worth. And so I'm like, oh, now I just need to earn it in recovery. So just be the best at recovery. Oh, okay.
2: <laughs> Same game. Different as long plank as I fields. can stay in here and stay out of this yucky part in the middle, as long as I can stay out here, you know, then maybe eventually this will become the real me. Um, but it, but it never does. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you get excommunicated, your wife's working on her, everything's going the right way.
2: Right. And so we, I mean, we were doing everything. She was, she was absolutely wonderful. Actually during this, you know, ARP meetings, she was one of those spouses that went with me to um, consistently. um, And she was entirely supportive. You know, when we weren't getting support from priesthood leaders, she would go and talk to them and like, kind of on my behalf and, and say, Hey, you need to help him out here. Um, so, you know, eventually got rebaptized, had all my blessings restored, things like that. Um, then we moved again. Um, I'm actually in the military. So we moved quite a bit. Um, and so we moved uh, overseas. Um, and again, things were, things were actually, I mean, they were going well, but it, it was a lot of white knuckling. It was just me kind of holding on and being like, okay, i'm just i'm staying in in this area i know that's still back there but just because
0: you'd facaded recovery
2: right yeah right um and then then got over there um overseas and uh found out about like different um brothels and stuff that they had over there and Mm -hmm. um got involved in that you know and then at the time also i i'd been you know, called into the leadership in the branch that we had there. And, um, so it was.
0: Well, that, that pressure from both sides, as Jason said earlier. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) You know,
2: and, and, but on the other hand, like we were talking about before, Steve is, is like one, one reason that, you know, going the prostitution route felt nice was it was a lot less exhausting. I mean, there was no expectations there. There was no anything, right. It was just, um, it was just the physical and that was it. Um, so that, that continued on for a few years. Um, eventually my wife found, you know, the other bank card that I had hidden from another bank, you know, and, um, and I, I, and this was about the time that we were about to, to come back to the States. Mm-hmm. And,
0: I, and how, how long ago was that from today?
2: Um, so that was January of 2019.
0: Okay. So we're in January of 19. So it all lands again.
2: And so, so she's like, what is this? You know, I do everything. I shut down. I shut down that account. I'm doing everything to hide this. Right. Um, and uh, she, you know, but she keeps pushing. She's like, I need to see these statements. I need to see them. And so I, I made a call, had had all the statements sent. And then I, but in my head, I was like, know what I'm going to do I'm going to intercept these statements in the mail first, and then I'm going to fabricate all new statements. Like, I am going to work hard at this.
0: And if Chris Bennett were here, he'd be laughing in the background. Because if you think you're the only man who's tried to do that,
2: (laughs) you are not the only one. Yep. And so I was like, so they came in, and like I found that they had every statement in there that I needed except for the last one. And so I was like, all right, I got to remember to get the last one. And so I had those hidden up in my office. And then one time I came home and in the meantime, we had been, you know, going to a ARP program again, we'd been seeing a therapist together, things like that. And then I come home one time and she has that final statement in her hand. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know? And so she's asking me and she's like, she's like, Hey, you know, what is going on? You need to tell me this, this isn't what you presented it to be, you know? Cause I said, Oh yeah. You know, it has to do with some pornography and stuff like that. you know, try to minimize everything. Um, but she's like this this obviously isn't what what you you told me it was, and so she's just just crying and begging me to to tell her and so i um I go into our bedroom and I kneel down to pray, and I am begging God just to you know let me slip by this one last time, just let me get by and get through this one last time and um that was the first time in a long time that I I heard him speak to me and he just said, be brave and everything's going to be okay. And so, um, so after that, I I got up, um, I said, I'll be right back. I went and got the rest of the statements, gave them all to her and said, you know, this is it. And then, and then I kind of just, you know, we, we went to, to, we went to the therapist that we'd been working with and I kind of just spilled out everything out on her, um, which probably wasn't fair, but, um, yeah.
0: Yeah. We have, we have an episode on disclosure now with Jeff Stewart, who's awesome. So, you know, so all can learn to do it better than you and I did it. So, um, can, can definitely work. And I guess the question that I want to ask you, Troy is talk to me about the desperation. So I remember my desperation moments of mine wasn't edit, trying to edit bank statements. Um, but I just remember my desperation moments and I think to someone listening uh, who, who doesn't struggle with addiction, maybe doesn't get it. I think those of us who have, were like, oh my gosh, I know that moment, right? <laughs> I know. But like, describe what that desperation is about because you're willing to go to crazy lengths to keep this secret. So for you, how would you describe that desperation? Like, what was it about?
2: I didn't, I don't know. It, it is just, it, it is just that feeling of you do not want to be seen. Like you do not want people to see the real you because yeah. Cause they're just gonna realize that you're garbage. Right. Um, I, 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 yeah. Like you said, I was at the warrior heart retreat and um, I remember um, I, I think it was Todd that was up there speaking and he was talking about um, well, he was telling the story and he was talking about laying on the bathroom floor and I remember doing that because that was the only way, way I felt any comfort. Like, it was like, this is where I deserve to be, you know? And it was just, yeah, it, like uh, on the one hand, I was trying and scraping and trying to do everything to, to hide my hide my sins, hide everything um, so that I wouldn't have to be revealed. Um, but on the other hand, just, just feeling like garbage inside and feeling like, yeah. Well,
0: and that's like, I hope, Um, and uh, just, I, I mean, I just feel a little bit of pause, Troy, for just your heart, just, um, the tender of kind of showing all of us a glimpse into how terrible that shame makes you feel. And so it's like, if the crazy's at a 10, the shame's at an 11. Just, and if anyone listening doesn't know, now you know. And so if you, you know, if you have any addicts in your life or um, you as an addict are in denial about <laughs> how bad it actually is of, of facing your darkness, um, that, right, the yuck in the middle of the field, um, it's that big. And I, and I think people don't realize how big the pain is, Um And the suffering that is totally half self-inflicted. Like we get it, we get it. (laughs) Right. But just how big that is. And, um, ah, I feel you brother.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so it was, it was definitely something like, and the next day was when, um, you know, there wasn't really any, a lot of thinking about this. It was like the next day, um she tells me that she wants to divorce um and so that again it was just like and and I don't want to minimize what she was going through cuz also obviously she was going through a lot you know she'd been with me through school and and all the stuff and and so you know yeah. this was not this was not where she wanted her life to be um and yet like she just after she made the decision to divorce it was just very quickly like she was like all right now we're going to do this now we're doing this and i am just struggling to hang on, you know, and and I've, I've always felt like someone that had pretty good mental health. Like I'm pretty stable. Um, but you know, it was, it was during that time, definitely depressed, definitely, um, considered suicide, definitely considered all these things. And just like, it is, it is not, it is not worth it to be here anymore. You know?
0: Yeah. So as you mentioned earlier, the divorce happened, right. Went through church discipline again. Right. I and,
2: again.
0: Yep. And um, so I, I guess the question now, right? Like flipping the script, like, but you didn't take your own life. And despite getting divorced and going through church discipline again, you're here sharing your story on our podcast to help give other people hope who are struggling with this and struggling around it. So Troy, how did you get here from that spot in 2019 To hear,
2: yeah, yeah, and 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 that was the thing, right? Because you know, I I had been kneeling praying, and um, I was told that everything was going to be all right. There was nothing was all right for a long time. Like it was, it was the worst. Um, I continued going to ARP meetings. You know, I'd hear these people talk about you know struggle. And
0: ARP is the LDS churches, yeah, the LDS churches twelve step. So this is the twelve step within the church. So yes anyways keep going yeah
2: yeah and, and so i'd go there you know i'd hear these people talk about pornography and stuff like that and I'm like are you kidding me <laughs> that's what it felt like to me like i was like are you kidding like i, I i'm here dying like and, and so i joke around with them sometimes i'm like i feel like i am here to make the rest of you feel better you know like the, like I, i'm really suffering here so i i actually got hooked up with a. Uh, Um, Well, that was the other thing. So I listened, my stake president had me listen to um, the Leading Saints podcast. It's a good stake president. Chris and Autumn were were, were talking about their experience. Uh, And so I listened to it and that gave me like this sliver of hope. And I was like, oh my gosh. And so I I take that to my my wife at the time. I said, I was like, you need to listen to this. Apparently he had already told her about it. And she said, I did listen to it. And she said, you're nothing like that guy. And I was like, oh
0: not yet not yet
2: i was like are you kidding me like i like i'm trying to work. so I, I got i got in touch with with lifestar um and i was still overseas and i was meeting with a counselor um through zoom and stuff like that um and and one of the important things it's interesting because I, I relearned this at, at at uh the boot camp when i went um because they asked us how does god speak to you which i think is a better way than saying like how do you feel the spirit? You know, like, yeah. no, yeah. how does God speak to you? Um, yeah. And I I learned that God speaks to me in stories um, because I've, I've had lots of experiences with him speaking to me in stories. And so um, my, my counselor, with Life Story, he would have me go through like these different guided meditations and stuff like that, which would help. But actually what helped more was that I would kind of make these stories up on my own. Like I would, I would have these stories in my head and then God would finish them for me. And, and they were incredibly healing. Like one, uh, one experience that I had, like, I just imagined my, my, um, marriage was this house that was on fire. Right. And I was the only one working to do anything to put it out. And I'm looking over and my wife's just sitting there with her hands folded, everyone else around us, like priesthood leaders, family, friends, everyone's just standing back. No one's doing anything. And I'm thinking there is so much good here. We need to put out this fire so we can save this house. Um, and then all of a sudden I hear this voice that just says, let it burn. And as tough as that was, it was incredibly healing in that moment to just, you know, because I thought if if my house was really on fire and I knew my kids were safe and my spouse was safe, you know, that's what I would do. I, w- I would just let it burn, you know, and just, just sit there and, and, and watch it, you know? And so, um, that was one experience. The other experience I'll share quickly, just cause it has to do with that, that dark spot. Um, I was, I was just sitting there imagining it that I was imagining I was in this huge field and I was approaching this swampy yucky cave that was in the middle. And, um, and I had no idea what was in there, you know? And, um, and so I, I keep going forward and I'm pretty close. And then I see like these eyes coming out of the cave and I'm like, all right, what, what kind of disasters in here? And then what crawls out is, you know, me as a, as a young child, right. Mm-hmm. Um, And that's changed that script for me ever since. Right. Like I I no longer, I no longer think about that dark spot in the middle. You know, I just think about that child that was hurting and, um, and what he needs, you know? Um, So that was, that was definitely another, another story that God, that God completed for me, you know?
0: Dude, sometimes like there's nothing else to say, Troy. (laughs) And I like, that's it, man. I mean, that's it. Wow, that's so beautiful.
1: So I'm sitting here filling in for James, and so I'm going to ask the question that James would ask. <laughs> <laughs> and Steve rolls his eyes at me. I do um, why we
0: always make it about James.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't need to be about James. This is about us. Um, so before all of this went down, you had the message of, I'm the least favorite son and I can't help but wonder if that's how you saw God and your relationship with him.
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I I mean, I think I shared a little bit before, but I I just felt like, you know, God didn't really care if I made it or not. You know, it was kind of like, we're not really expecting that much from Troy. So, you know, whatever. Um, Yeah.
0: And now what I want to know this, I'm just going there, Troy. What I want to know now is if I called God on the phone, that's how God and I talk. We're just hotspot speed dial. If I had God on the phone right now and I said, God, Troy believed for too many years that you were his least favorite son. Which son is he? What would God tell me?
2: God would say that I'm beloved. <laughs>
3: um,
2: and this is, so this is, this is actually another story, right? That, that God finished for me. Um, and it was another time I was working with my therapist in the moment. And he said, he said, I want you to imagine approaching the throne of God. And in my mind, I was like, I do not want to do that. That sounds like the worst thing I can imagine. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I thought, well, if I'm going to do that, then I'll need help from the savior. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, gosh, I'm crying a lot today. I'm sorry. Um,
0: Don't you ever apologize about being unashamed on my podcast ever again.
2: Um, So in my mind, I just kind of called out to the Savior. You know, usually a lot of times you get this um, thought that that Jesus was like this very solemn individual, you know. Um you know the, the whitewashed version,
0: yes, uh-huh.
2: Yep. That's that's how he's portrayed in a lot of pictures and movies and things like that, just kind of mm-hmm. a man of sorrow, right? A community with grief. Um he comes into my vision and he is so happy, like like so happy. I mean, one so happy to see me, but then so excited to introduce me to the father yeah. because he knew that it was gonna take away any of those other feelings that I, I I had had about him. Um, and it did, that was another, like, it was a script that just got blown up all of a sudden. Like I, I I couldn't say that anymore. I couldn't say that I was the least favorite son anymore.
0: Hmm. So, um, the last thing I want to ask you, Troy, here in our episode, um, I mean, and then whatever Jason's going to ask you too, but, um, so, uh, you're divorced and, um, you aren't sitting here being like, and I've been remarried for three years and guess what kids, it all works out. Right. Um, and I know there's a lot of people in a lot of pain who they don't ever see the story at halftime. And, uh, I was, I was in a really dark, uh, place in a lot of my own pain uh, at a point in my journey where uh, my good friend, Kurt Francom, leading saints, everyone should listen to that podcast said to me, he's like, yeah, Steve, these are the chapters that nobody ever reads. Like of the, of the book, he's like someday, like if you're some big deal or whatever, you know, these are the chapters of your story that people won't read. Cause I was just, you know, he just sat with me in just this darkness, you know, I'm just like, Oh my gosh. And so, um, you know, you're here sharing your story. Um, and the story's not finished, obviously. Um, and you don't have it all buttoned up in a row. Like you're just getting rebaptized this Saturday. And you don't have this second marriage that you can say, see, and it all works out. So um, what does that look like for you navigating recovery and... The co-parenting, and then you know, deciding when and how to put yourself back out there. Um, so just just speak to us about your shame and the pain of divorce and and the and the healing you've had because I mean you shared a really be like God was with you let that house burn you know, and so you you had it was clear that you were moving where you're supposed to be moving but that doesn't mean it was easy, or that it is easy.
2: Yeah, and and um, you know it was something early on after I was separated that um, I'd heard, you know, at least for the, for the LDS church, they were talking about how um, they said 80% of men who get divorced leave the church, uh, which I can believe, you know, because, you know, if, if you're sitting there in your congregation and you have like the single mom walk in with, with her kids and, and, you know, your heart immediately goes out to them. You know, if you have this guy walk into your your congregation and um, he's a sex addict and whatever else, you know, you don't feel as much compassion towards this person, right? Like it's, it's, it's hard to, hard to muster that same level of compassion. And it just adds this layer of shame, right? It just, it's, mm-hmm. it's on top of it, you know, you know, even when I'd listen to your podcast, not like, and your podcast has been great and it's not like I'd, I'd take anything away from it, but you know, I would hear all these stories about my wife stayed with me and we're great, you know, and it was yeah, just okay, like, sure there there's the thought that, you know, well, yeah, I'm, I'm the least favorite son and God just got to pull my wife, get out of there, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so it was something like that. And then you had one guest I think it was Thomas 2.0 when he was on and he was talking about it. And he said, "Um, and this, this is when I finally was like, no, I need to email these guys and talk to them. Cause he said, you know, I was considering divorce, but then, um, you know, that was going to be the easy way out. And I was like, no, that this is not the easy way out by any means. Right. Like this, this is something that is, I mean, it's different, right? Like there are different things like you, you have to deal with your wife's trauma all the time. I don't have to deal with that anymore as much, like not, not at the same level. Um, so, so there are differences there. There are probably some things that are, that are easier for me. Um, but you know, the pain, you know, having my kids all be very aware of my weaknesses um, things like that and, and trying to rebuild the relationship with them because their, their trust and their little hearts were broken too. For sure, you know? and, and so trying to rebuild that, um, you know, all these things that have been, have been a lot, you know, and it just, it just adds on to, to that shame. Um, and just, just going through the process of a divorce too is incredibly painful um, mm-hmm. on all levels.
0: Well, and I and I love how you spoke into that because I think from where Thomas 2.0 was sitting at that time in his story and with many men that they're just like, "Oh, well, if I just got divorced, this would be easier." And as a counselor what I would tell you is um uh whatever you are and whatever the pain is, you're taking it with you. So if if you think it's all your partner's fault, get divorced and you're going to find out, <laughs> right? Um you're going to and and so I yeah, I think um you know, too often we have a script, right? We talked about moving that field, your, you know, your facade through recovery. And I think a lot of times in that recovery, we bring it into the, the relationship. And, um, you know, I, I have, you know, other stories and have witnessed people, you know, we've had several people on the podcast who got remarried, you know, we just had Rob Smith's story earlier this year and like, no, they got divorced. And that was post, like they both had healed a lot. And she's like, this just isn't my life and my story. And he's like, I get it. And that was it. And so I think if, you know, it's almost the same thing as people are like, if, if I get married, then I won't have an addiction anymore. And we all on this side of it are like, oh, ha ha, we all remember when we were young and thought that was true, how dumb we were. Um, I think it's the same thing that like, if you think there's a right answer of stay married or don't stay married, like recovery, like real work is hard, real emotional healing and looking at my pain, looking at the swamp in the middle of it is difficult. Single, married, whatever, like it's going to be difficult, right? Through the divorce, it's going to be difficult. And so I think um, I just appreciate you kind of sharing your heart and your perspective on that because I think people always think the grass is greener on the other side or, you know, they don't get this or they don't get that. And it's like, look, like, it's hard. Recovery is hard. I know people who feel very lonely in their marriage and they're like, man, I I wish I, if I was divorced, at least I could say, well, yeah, I'm lonely because I'm alone. This makes sense. Where they're in their marriage and they're like, ah, this is so twisted. You know, and and I know great people who are single, who can't find the right person and the compatibility and it's not because they're not willing or looking for perfection. And so you're just bringing a humanness to this whole thing, Troy, that I just love.
2: Well, and, and, and it is something like, um, you know, one of the things that I just felt like it was a message that just got repeated over and over to me um, was that, you know, my, my wife and my kids, that was now the new family and I was something separate. Right. And so like, I, I I'm here over by myself and this is the new family. And that seemed to be repeated by like church leaders, by the therapist, like, like everyone, like this message kept coming into me. And, and like, honestly, it, Outside the healing and everything, it, it took a little bit of grit to just say, no, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. And I think that's the other thing I'd say about divorce is I think so many times, um, men, especially when, when they're going through something like this, um, they will, you know, give away the farm when they're going through a divorce mm-hmm. and then end up being just really bitter afterwards. And I think in a lot of times you need to stand up for yourself and you need to say, hey, no, I'm worth something and and fight for for what you need. Cause it is, it is unfortunately a fight. And I tried, I tried, tried really hard to be fair and equitable, you know, um, during the divorce, but, but it is a fight too. And, and you've got to stand up for yourself, like try any means to, to, to make it as amiable as possible, but sometimes that's, that's not possible. And so you need to make sure that you take care of yourself and your kids.
0: Well, and and I would just say, yeah, to fight for your kids' hearts, because I I know many stories of men who are like, whatever, I'm the one who did all the bad things, take it, and they get two years down the road, and they're like, why do I only have my kids 30% of the time? Wait a minute, I want to make her parent love my kids, not be cut out of their lives. And and those are good men who want a father, and even if you're divorced, always going to be their dad always going to be their mom. Right. So you're right. Like I still have to navigate this. And you know, I have, I have a, you know, sister who has had been, had that be her experience. And it's like, and she has, you know, she's like, no matter what I do, it's their dad. So no matter what it is between us, I still have to show up and that can be tough to navigate, but yeah, gotta,
1: gotta show up for you. So Troy, just to wrap up here, the the last question I have for you is, um, for those men in the audience who are listening, who are the least favorite sons. Or or women who or, feel like they're the least favorite daughter. But for those that feel like they're just not who God wants them to be. They're on the bathroom floor. What do you say to them about who God is and, and, and maybe about who they are to him?
2: It's it's such, I don't know, it's, it's such a flip to the script, right? Like it, it's so, and and I wish... I wish I would know how to, how to get there immediately. Like I wish I could just tell somebody, Hey, this is how you know that that God loves you. Um, but it's hard because, you know, yes, there's there, you can get messages of shame and stuff through through church and life and whatever else. But at the same time, like there are lots of messages talking about how God loves you. For some reason, I wasn't hearing though, those, and I'm sure that there's a lot of people that are feeling the same way. That They're just, they're not hearing those messages, but
1: well, but, but I know that God loves me. I just know that he loves Steve more. He doesn't love me like he loves his other children. Like, yeah, he loves me, but it's just not.
2: Yeah. And, and that's how I felt. Like it was like, yeah, on some level he loves me, you know, just cause I'm the least favorite doesn't mean he doesn't still love me. He cares about me, but I'm, I'm just not that interesting to him. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just one of the crowd, you know? And so um, he's got lots better um, children that he wants to take care of more than me. But I, I don't know the, the feeling that I had um, in that story that I talked about was just, just this overwhelming. Like, no, like it's you, it's, it's you that I love. Yeah. Like I am, I am crazy about you. Um, yeah. I just, I just love you because you are mine.
0: And Troy, as you know, we always let people end with a song. So the song for you.
2: I, I do. Um, so this is, this is one of my favorite. And I know a lot of times you guys have like the different Christian songs on here, but um, this, this is a hymn, um, Near My God to Thee, um, and there's a good version by BYU Vocal Point.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Troy, thank you. I have goosebumps right now. Because uh, we all need to remember that he's crazy about us and that we're that one, whether we've gotten sober or not. Um, So I'm just grateful that my heart got to receive that message from you. And um, I hope that uh, those listening will let that message in. Uh, Like you said, um, Troy is a real guy lives in Texas. Served in the military. Thank you for your service, by the way. I forgot to say that. And um, uh, if you want more people to hear this message of hope, we invite you to go to iTunes. Even if you're not listening on iTunes, go to iTunes and give us five stars. That's how the world uh, finds us and hears more. We'd love for you to connect with us on social media at Unashamed Unafraid at Facebook and Instagram. Um, if you are in need of resources and help, you can go to our resource page. but also apply for a scholarship. Please do. We have them. You are worthy of it. Um, Unashamedunafraid.com slash scholarships. And if you would like to help support those scholarships, we are a nonprofit. five three. So all of your money, literally all, no one on our staff gets paid. So all of your money will go to help support and create those scholarships. And that will also allow you to become an outsider. Our outsiders are those who are bold, accepted and unashamed, like our friend Troy here. And that will allow you to jump into the bonus content with us right now and to be able to hear some more questions that we're going to ask Troy that we weren't able to fit into the episode. And uh, if this is the first time joining, thank you for listening. We're happy that you're here. We hope that you listen to some more Stories and have hope. And if you need anything from the Unashamed team, reach out. All of our emails are on the website unashamedandafraid.com. We'd all love to hear from you, pray for you, get your back, whatever you need from us. So until we're able to talk again, continue to be unashamed. And with that, we will go out with "Near My God to Thee" by BYU Vocal Point.
3: In See your next see your see angels! Angel. Shasikin genus tomi nea angusta per angusta si kitura